listening to the No Life Skills Podcast with your host, Ashlyn. My advice for other sex workers, don't do what I did. Giving you an inside look at the fascinating world of sex work. Yeah, a little bit awkward, but uh, informational, I guess. Connect with other professionals and allies of the industry. I was like, wow, this is easy money. Now, join the conversation while we share inspiring stories on the No Life Skills Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode of No Life Skills. I'm your host, Ashlyn, and I'm here with my mom, Shannon Sweet. Today, we're going to be having a conversation about common misconceptions people often have about escorts and the clients of escorts. Shannon is also a sex worker here in Edmonton who's been in the business for about eight years now. We met in the slums of an Edmonton brothel a couple years ago, and somehow she trusted me enough to organize an international escorting trip to Hong Kong, and that's where we really got to know each other. She's a dear friend and also my mother. Would you like to introduce yourself, Shannon? Ashlyn, thank you for having me on your podcast today, and congratulations on organizing this and putting it all together and putting yourself out there. I hope I don't embarrass you too much or other sex trade workers. Um, I've been involved with the sex trade in Edmonton, Alberta, and I guess Western Canada, because I do a little bit of traveling, for about eight years now. Now she is a podcasting superstar. Yes, now I'm a podcasting superstar. And I also wanted to thank Ashlyn for not um, filming this today because it's very early in the morning. And if if I sound raspy, it's because, uh, yeah, it's very early in the morning. She just smoked half a pack of cigarettes on her way over, but we won't get into that. I, I, yeah, that's, a, that's another podcast altogether. <laughs> I just want to start out by saying that I only speak for myself in this industry. There are many facets of sex work that I'm not qualified to talk about. I'm a young white female living in Canada, and I come from a very privileged place to even feel safe enough to put myself out here and speak about my experiences on such a public platform. I personally didn't enter the industry out of a need for survival. I very much choose sex work, and it is my sole income. Although if it was taken away from me tomorrow, I know that I would have other employment opportunities. So yeah, I just want to make it clear that I cannot speak for all sex workers. And my intention with this episode is for Shannon and I to tackle common misconceptions about the industry from our perspective. All right. So one of the assumptions that I think is very common is that escorting is easy money and requires zero skill to succeed. So would you like to speak about that, Shannon? Well, seeing that it is before eight o'clock in the morning, you know, the easy money and, and requires zero skill to succeed. Now that I've been in this for about eight years and, you know, supported my family, my two children, you know, decently well and created a life for myself with this, I would say that, yeah, that's a complete assumption and misconception about escorting. There's there's a lot of research that I had to do regarding, you know, different marketing, different marketing and brand management. And before this, also trying to get in, and I, I'm totally not saying that I'm the most socially apt person out there, but social skills, including, you know, what, what utensils to use when you're at at supper with somebody so you don't look like a complete hick, you know, is really important. The other aspect that a lot of people don't talk about is your mental and physical health. There's a lot of judgment, I think, outside of this and had to tackle keeping what I do very discreet from, and there's very few people in my personal life that actually know what I do in the sex trade. And that's just because I wanted to keep it private. I didn't think I was going to be in the sex trade as long as I have been. And it's just not something that I want to discuss. And part of that is, is because I'm a private person and also out of complete discretion for my client. If it's easy money and requires zero skill to succeed, then yeah, that's a total misconception. Yeah. And in my experience, I don't think it's been easy money at all. I think anybody can uh, turn a couple tricks and make a quick buck, but it's when I had to actually put a lot of time and effort into researching and building a brand for myself. And that's, that's when the steady income happened for me. I think a lot of 
women get into the business thinking they don't have to put any effort out there. But nowadays, there's a lot more supply than there is demand in this industry. So you're competing with a lot of other women or sex workers for the same clients. And yeah, you got to set yourself apart and it's not easy. And to be around for so long and to gain regular clientele and, you know, even researching places to travel and all of that stuff, none, none of it's easy. None of it's simple. Even building a brand on social media and being consistent and connecting with people, connecting with clients, other sex workers. It's yeah. A lot of work goes into what we do. I also wanted to talk about the assumption that sex work is inherently empowering or it has to be enjoyable to make it worthy of respect or seen as legitimate work. Shannon and I uh, discussed this this morning a little bit already, but, you know, I don't I don't think that my job as a sex worker is necessarily empowering. I think it's strange that a big assumption that I get from a lot a lot of people constantly that, oh, well, you're, you're a hooker, you must be so empowered. Do most people go up to somebody working at McDonald's or like at a dentist's office and asking them if they're empowered? No, because it's a job. So I disagree that sex work has to be empowering or enjoyable. I think I'm providing a service. It's a job. It's how I make my money. And, you know, that's, that's that for me. Do I like my job and enjoy my job most of the time? Sure. But sometimes I don't. And that's just life. And that's how jobs work. So, and I'll let Shannon speak on this now. Yeah. Uh, the empowerment issue, that's one of Ashlyn's favorite topics, I think. You know, for me, I think whatever job that I was doing, if I had, uh, you know, a really good life work balance and was able to provide for my children, that would be an empowering job, regardless of what it would be or what I'd be doing. I've had some different jobs where, you know what, I was basically the working poor. However, I had an incredible amount of responsibility, was completely exhausted all the time and couldn't provide um, what my children needed. So was that job empowering? No, it wasn't. This is for me, anyhow, and I'm not speaking for everyone in the world, and it's definitely not a job for everyone in the world. However, there's something to be said about being able to pay your bills and see your children do well. So that's what I'd find empowering, I would think, about this particular job. Yeah, and I asked Shannon earlier, um, if there was a different job that paid the exact same amount of money, had the same freedoms, would that be empowering? No, right? That was... No, that, no, not particularly, no. Be because it's sex work doesn't make it empowering, Yeah, correct? exactly. Because of it, it's sex work, it doesn't make it empowering at all. There's days that I have where I, you know, they're not the best days in the universe, but you deal with that, right? And I, I think at the end of the day, it was a heck of a lot better than a few different jobs I had where uh, I had some, you know, just different situations where probably not the best man management in the world or whatever, right? So this for me is is a lot better. Yeah, I, t I totally get that. Like, like I said earlier, I choose this work. I'm lucky to be able to choose this as my job. And that's that. What about the assumption that we're all disease ridden and don't get tested and know nothing about STIs? I, this is a subject that I know Shannon is extremely, <laughs> extremely passionate about. <laughs> um, I think when I came into the sex trade, I didn't know that much about STIs. And I don't think that I was alone in that. I think there's a lot, there's the majority of the population doesn't know what they need to know about STIs and different diseases that you can pick up from other human beings. And one of the ways that really brought to my attention was I started Edmonton Body Rub 
studio. And one of the ladies that I worked with there was very stern with me. And she was like, you're new. You may, people may be trying to get um, uncovered services from you. And you do not do that because you will have a life outside of this and you don't want to risk that. And so anyway, it heightened my awareness a little bit or my interest in learning about this. And then as the universe provides sometimes, the next thing I know, a lady started working with me who had worked in Australia And in Australia, you have quite a, from what I understand, quite a a course that you have to do before you can be licensed in Australia. And one of the big sections is in that, in learning about that, that before you can get licensed, is about STIs and how they're transferred. This lady brought in this book that she had to study, slammed it down in front of me, and it was a great big thick book. And there was a big section on it in STIs. And there were things in there that I'd didn't know and definitely are not taught to us in the school system here in Canada. And I became very aware of STIs and definitely has shaped what services I offer. Just, you know, I have a life outside of outside of the sex trade, probably won't be in the sex trade for the rest of my life. And I I think also another part of STIs and, you know, in interacting with people on such an intimate basis is there's um, energetic components with that as well that people don't take into consideration. You know, now I've been around as long as I have. There's just certain things. You have to have boundaries, you know, for your own mental health and your own physical health. And that's regardless, whether you're in the sex trade or you're you're picking up at the at the corner pub on a Friday night, you've got to have boundaries. Yeah. So my experience with STIs, I think I take my sexual health very seriously, more serious than any civilian I've met for sure, because this is my job and God forbid I'm something, something happens and I'm not taking care of it in time. Knock on wood. I'm going to cut this part out. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I've, um, I've worked at Body Rub Studios as well in Edmonton and to work at those studios, you need to go do a three-hour course with the city of Edmonton, actually, to get your body rub license or escorting license. And I find it very interesting that at this course, they don't offer any information about STDs or safe sex, nothing of the sort. And this is something I brought up a couple of years after I was uh, already in the industry with the people who run the course. And yeah, I guess the city cannot like admit that they are selling sexual services, even though it's pretty clear that's what's going on. So I think that's really unfortunate because I have met women at Body Rub Studios who know nothing about STIs, absolutely nothing. And I think that's really unfortunate that they're entering this industry with no knowledge of how to take care of their sexual health. I'll tell you a funny story. There's uh, one girl that I used to know. She thought that uh, if you swallow the load, the STI will die because of your stomach acid. So I just want to let everyone know that that's not how it works. There was another girl who thought if she was doing bare back blowjobs and she used a bunch of spit that no pre-cum would get in her mouth and she would not contract an STI. That is also false. But uh, yeah, that's just something (laughs) funny that I wanted to share. So there's a bunch of misinformation and sometimes, you know, hookers don't even know what's going on with STIs. The other uh, assumption that we never get tested. I get tested very frequently. I know Shannon does as well. In Edmonton, it's super easy to go get tested at the STI clinic. You know, no big deal. And I think that's super important for anybody and even clients of escorts. If you're sleeping with someone else, you should be getting tested regularly. That's just a fact of life. Um, You know, I've met men, you know, shit happens sometimes, condoms break, nothing's perfect and they've never been tested and they're in their 40s like 
How can you walk through life blind? You don't know what's been on that dick. Please, everybody get tested. That's my uh, PSA for the day. Okay, and then uh, an, an, an assumption uh, Shannon also loves to talk about is, uh, yeah, boundaries, which she's already covered a little bit, but I guess I'll speak quickly on it. Yeah, I think I have a lot of boundaries as a sex worker. Um, my boundaries in a work context are extremely strong. Uh, my website in particular is very clear on what I offer and what I don't offer. Uh, so the expectations are right there. Everybody knows what they're getting into. I also, I don't put up with somebody that appears to be like wasting my time. You know, I don't put emotional energy into people who are draining me. I can tell right away if a client is serious or not. Yeah, I think that's an important boundary to have because if you're, if someone is going to be entertaining all the time wasters in the world, you're probably going to hate your life. Yeah, it's important to have, have those boundaries. Yeah, I think um, boundaries in sex work, that's one of the biggest things definitely for me. There was a learning curve there in understanding, you know, on a body level, like what I was comfortable with and uncomfortable with. Spending some time in getting to understand yourself in, in that because there's definitely services out there that I don't offer and that I'm not interested in offering. And, you know, there are people out there that, you know, they, they've seen you several times and then they may kind of make the assumption that maybe you would offer that service uncovered. And that for me is a boundary issue. And also, you know, one of the biggest things that I, I noticed and was sort of shocked by is the number of people that will check out, check in with you to see if you do offer bareback services. I was like, this is that's insanity, like just total insanity. But anyway, you know, each to their own, I guess. Another thing that, you know, with regards to boundaries, there was a little a short period of time there where I did entertain, quote unquote, time wasters when I first started in the business. And, you know, it took a it took a draw on my time and and quite honestly, my mental health, like it was just overwhelming. The number of people out there that are trying to get get your attention and get your time and interact with you through text or go out for a free coffee or, you know, they want to be friends with you, et cetera, et cetera. This is at the end of the day, this is a business and it's run like a business. And, you know, there are people that I've known for a long time now or quite a long time that I do genuinely care about. And I do care about a lot of my clients, you know, that I do know, you know, they might be going through a hard time or something. You know, I do consider them a friend, right? Where I would give them, you know, check in with them because I'm actually authentically concerned about them. However, like Ashlyn said, you know, right off the bat, a lot of the time we know if you're wasting our time or not. So, you know, and I hear stories about girls now or from girls who are, you know, just starting in the business. They don't have any boundaries. They have clients that are, they've told to get lost um, for different reasons. And these guys are still trying to contact them. And, you know, it's unnerving. And it's unnerving to hear that, you know, these boundaries are being pushed out there. And I guess that's, you know, it's, I guess it's in the sex trade and, it, you know, it's in your outside life too. I would encourage, I love, I love this subject. I love the subject of boundaries because, um, you know, with regards to life quality and identifying what your boundaries are. Yeah. And I think boundaries are something that I didn't know at first when I started and something, you know, they come with time and experience in this business. I'm fortunate to have started in one of the studios. So I was interacting with other women on a regular basis who could kind of tell me what to do, show me what to do, what to look for. I think if you're coming into this business independent with, you know, 
no idea what to expect, what you're doing. Yeah, I think it's really hard. And these days, my boundaries are super strong, even with regards to people pre-booking appointments. You know, like I don't let anybody pre-book something unless I have a deposit. And if they don't want to send a deposit, well, great. You can try me the same day, maybe. But, you know, because I just found people want to waste your time. For some reason, there's hundreds of men out there willing to waste your time and not show up. Luckily, I'm in a place where I, you know, I can have boundaries, charge a deposit or get references, whatever. Yeah, it makes my life a hell of a lot easier because when I wasn't doing that and people were no showing me constantly. Yeah, it takes a huge toll on my mental health. Yeah, another huge misconception is that uh, our lives are out of control and we need saving. Uh, I would say, yeah, I've met a lot of women in the business here that their lives are absolutely out of control. They're absolutely fucked. And I've met people in any business like that. So I don't think it's dependent on sex work. I think anybody can be fucked right up. I think you got to reach a point of desperation where you want to be unfucked, you know, and reach out and get the help that you need. Do those people need to be saved? Do they need saving from clients? Absolutely not. Yeah, I think it's true. I think a lot of people's lives are unmanageable in this business, but that's any that's any industry. Think of the oil patch. Think of, you know, anything. You know, I've always, I think with this, um, I found it not funny, but, you know, there's definitely clients that I've met that have come in where they poked around and asked me questions trying to determine whether or not I'm, I need saving with regards to making the assumption that it's just the sex trade where people's lives are out of control. You know, I was talking with somebody recently about opiate addiction, et cetera, and the percentages or the estimated percentages of our population that's addicted to opiates. And it's 30%. So is what they're guessing is, and you know, maybe it may even be higher than that. And so meeting different people that are involved in the sex trade, there's people in every industry whose lives are completely and totally out of control. I don't think it's just the sex trade, quite honest. It, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, um, you know, there's there's people who are overdosing in their offices at lunch hour. That, to me, is out of control. I read an interesting article a few years ago now, I guess, but it made an impression on me. And it was talking about the homeless population and how we're trying, you know, there's services out there. We're trying to save the homeless population and stuff. And it brought up the point that there are people on the streets that are making conscious decision to be on the streets for different reasons, you know, and one of those reasons was acceptance. And so if you look at the sex trade, my experience, and maybe this is getting a little bit off topic and, and, and a little bit too deep or abstract, is that I've met quite a few people in the sex trade that's been that have been really supportive of me and of you know where I'm going in my life and the, and that was something that was different than different industries that I'd worked in before and I think definitely a couple not a couple several ladies that I'd met really encouraged me to finish my education and focus on my family and build a home for my kids and that's something that I didn't get outside of outside of the sex trade and definitely support help create structure to what I would have considered prior to the sex trade a pretty unstructured life. I guess it depends on your perspective. Like it depends on where you're coming from to judge another person, whether or not their life is out of control or not. Maybe you might just be projecting onto others because your own life is out of control and unmanageable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that this also ties into the other assumption. A lot of people think that we're addicted to drugs and alcohol. It's the same thing, I think. People in any business can be on drugs and drinking. You know, it's not exclusive to sex work. If you're seeking out sex workers that party and drink and will do drugs with you, you will be sure to find that. And if you're looking for 
you know, somebody who's sober and doesn't want to do that stuff. There are plenty out there as well that don't drink or party. Another common misconception uh, is that we have no other choice. I spoke about this briefly earlier. Uh, I'm very lucky that I choose choose sex work. I'm very fortunate to be able to say that. I know that I do have other options. If, you know, if I were to change my mind and want to do something else, I know I'm not, you know, unemployable and <laughs> I won't do this forever. And I don't think that's the case for a lot of women in the business, but, you know, I'm only speaking for myself. For for me right now with the sex trade, I'm still enjoying it. And, you know, I do have another job outside of the sex trade. You know, I'm very grateful for that. You know, with regards to choice, I think everybody has a choice as to what you're going to do. You're not stuck in any industry that you're in. You know, I had somebody, you know, somebody that I know who I think probably has a lot more education and probably a lot more money than the vast majority of the population. Tell me once when I was when I was younger, if you don't like the job you're doing, switch it and you can do it. You, you know, like just keep going. Eventually you'll find something that you enjoy. And I'm grateful that, you know, to this point anyway, you know, I've been able to enjoy the sex trade as much as I have. You know, I have some really great clients. I've made some really great friends and connections. And for me, in my own life, having connection with uh, an authentic connection with other human beings where you can actually have a discussion with them is really important for me. And uh, the sex trade has been able to give me that. Yeah. And uh, another misconception is that we're all uneducated. And most of the women that I've met are either putting themselves through school or have done some form of higher education. I would think, yeah, the majority actually are educated. And I know for myself, you know, I've been to university. Shannon has also graduated with the university degree. I've even met women with master's degrees, uh, PhDs. There's all kinds. There's so many different kinds of women that choose sex work. Yeah, I guess it goes to be, you know, the the assumption that our lives are out of control. I've, I remember one fellow uh, came to see me and he was asking me questions and he totally walked in there with the assumption that I was being pimped. I was completely uneducated and my life was out of control. And he sat there like a deer in headlights um, when I answered his questions as to, you know, what my kind of what I was doing with my life. You know, I know a lot of I know a lot of uh, ladies who are super organized and they have to be organized because they're planning on doing a PhD and they've got kids at home and and uh, and they've worked really hard. And, you know, and, and just gotten out of horrible situations sometimes and been, been able to continue on with their lives thanks to the sex trade. Another common misconception is that it's all about sex. Uh, no, it's not all about hardcore porn action. Not at all. And there's, you know, there's people out there that um, need connection with another human being. And well, I guess it's hard to meet people. You know, I'm lucky for me, I'm relatively social and I kind of meet people anywhere, I kind of make friends or have conversations with people pretty much anywhere I go, which I'm I'm grateful for. You know, you need that contact as a human being, regardless of of what you of what a lot of people think. And there's people that I know, guys that I know that they work a lot. They don't have time to be on Tinder. When they have gone on Tinder, they've they've gone on dates and it's been a total disaster beyond all imagination. Or they've come out of marriages that have been total, absolute disasters beyond all imagination. And they still, to remain balanced in their own lives, need contact with another human being in a safe environment. And I think for me anyway, I hope that that's what I can give, I give, give my clients or there's other people in this industry that... Uh, that, you know, strive to do that. So, no, it's not all about hardcore porn action. It's, it's uh, a lot about connection.
often. Speak for yourself, Shannon. When people book me for three hours, we're fucking for the whole three hours. I'm just kidding. But (laughs) I even have guys contacting me and they're like, do you have a five minute rate? Because I'm not even going to last 15 minutes. And I'm thinking, just so you know, men, you're not booking me for the amount of time you want to have your dick inside of me. That's not how it works. At least that's not how I do things. (laughs) So no, it's not all about sex. Oh, another one. Oh, I love this one. Uh, Yeah, a lot of people like to assume that traumas brought us to escorting and childhood traumas are the only way that we can do this job. I've had men that I've just met ask me that, ask me if I have daddy issues, ask me what happened to me, why I'm doing this job. And you know what? Uh, For myself, that probably couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, I think that's a very ignorant assumption to make. And I think if you're asking a relative stranger that, uh, you should probably see a therapist about that and, you know, talk about your childhood traumas, honestly. (laughs) Not to say that that's not the case for some women, but why? I just don't know why people would even bring that up. I think it's very bizarre. The daddy issues? (laughs) I'll be your daddy. Yeah, I'll be. Come see me for an hour. I'll be your daddy. I'll show you what a daddy's all about. But no, uh, (laughs) I guess I'm probably past the age now of being able to play daddy little girl scenarios. Um, I have friends that are kind of into that. And I've often wondered, like, what the what the hell is that about? The daddy issue thing. Right. I think with a lot of my clients, they don't come to see me because they're hoping that I have daddy issues. You know, maybe, I don't know, you never know with people, I guess maybe, you you know, they do, uh, you know, long for a lady that has daddy issues that they can sort of take care of and save and guide. Or manipulate. Or, or, or manipulate. And take advantage of. Yes, manipulate and take advantage of. But anyway, you know, regardless, no, I, I don't understand the daddy issue situation. The trauma situation, most of our population has been traumatized in one way or another. And I'm going to plug somebody that I really like. He's Canadian also. And uh, his name is Dr. Gabor Mate, M-A-T-E. And he talks a lot about if you're interested in child raising, addictions, and other things that affect everyday life, he's one guy to look into. And another reason why I like him too is that he has a lot of criticism for the Canadian correctional system, you know, and also I like like him because he seems to have a spine and a set of balls, which I have a great appreciation for in somebody that um, will stand up and talk about social issues in Canada and take them down to a, a really um, foundational level that people can understand as to why, uh, you know, or maybe our society has as many issues as it does. So anyhow, with that, he talks a lot about trauma as well. And, uh, you know, a lot of our population has been traumatized. It's not just in sex work. It's a lot of our population. And he even goes so far as to say every single solitary addict out there has been traumatized. And if you look at uh, the statistics around around addiction in our society today, whether it be doctor-prescribed opiates or alcohol or, uh, you know, sex addiction, at the root of all of these uh, addictions is somebody who's really traumatized. Looking at the sex trade is just a bunch of traumatized people. You can also look at uh, great big office towers in any downtown city and see a whole pile of people that are uh, traumatized. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that sex work seems to be the only industry where people think it's okay to just ask you about your traumas up front like that. You know, I think maybe because we're in like an intimate environment together like that, but I think it's extremely bizarre. Like you wouldn't go up to the person at the Starbucks counter and ask them about their childhood trauma. So why would you ask a sex worker? And, you know, 
also asking a sex worker about trauma or about really, um, you know, sort of intimate sort of questions like that as well. I think it just goes to show that there are, you know, a lot of people are out there and they're longing for uh, intimate, authentic connection with another human being. And that's maybe why they're coming to the sex trade, whether to um, purchase sex or, or be involved as a provider in the sex trade is that that's a, a, you know, a fundamental human need is connection. And not everybody is getting that out in the world at all, whether they're married or not. So this is a great segue to my next question. Just kidding. But uh, Shannon, uh, so are you always horny then? Is that why you became a provider? Absolutely not. I was uh, pretty celibate for <laughs> for a couple of years and prior to entering the sex trade. And that was that was um, pretty much by choice. You know, I personal thing about me is that um, I had come from a really traumatic or well, yeah, traumatic, but tumultuous background. And I'd spent two years sort of just thinking about um, where I was in my life and where I wanted to go in my life and how I wanted to um, raise my children and basically get my shit sorted out. No, it wasn't because I was desperate for sex. That's for sure. Um, I mean, I guess you can kind of find sex wherever you go. However, my motivation for getting into the sex trade was to provide for my children and have a schedule, a schedule that I could I could um, I could live with and work around and have some uh, work-life balance. It wasn't just for the hard porn action, hard thrusting porn action. Come in eye, come in ear, hardcore porn. Yeah, I would say that I'm uh, not horny all the time either, actually. Uh, I'm actually not a sex addict. I know I joked come about... Across as one. Yeah, because I told everyone I went to rehab for a sex addiction. You can think what you want. If that makes you want to book me, then sure. My favorite thing to say to clients when they ask me what I like is, uh, well, I already got your money. <laughs> so hope that answers your question. Shannon would like to address a couple of personal assumptions that people seem to have about her. So I'll, I'll let her take it away. It's always it's always a little bit surprised. I'm on Twitter. OK, um, ShannonSweet.com is my website. And uh, I'm on Twitter and you have to be careful about what you put on Twitter because I'll have, I'll put something up there and then somebody assumes that I've broken up with someone in my personal life or that I'm an environmentalist or that I work with Jason Kenney. Um, you know, there's a whole pile of different assumptions that uh, are made, you know, sort of without checking it out with the with with the actual individual you're making those assumptions about. I think one of the funniest ones that I've ever heard is that, yeah, that, that I was like breaking up with somebody in my personal life. I was going through a breakup in my personal life or uh, that that was a good one. And and or that I'm an environmentalist or I'm a liberal or I'm a conservative or, you know, based on like two two sentences that I posted on Twitter. Shannon Sweet is not affiliated with any denomination or sect. She does not wish to engage in public controversy. <laughs> no, no public controversy. But I do want to say I'm deeply disappointed in any of our elected representatives, this government or the previous government. I'm just equally disappointed and and I'm deeply disturbed that their wives haven't taken the reins on things. Amen. <laughs> okay. And no, I don't work for Jason Kenny part-time. I work for Jason Kenny part-time. I'm trying to get him to notice me on Twitter, but Oh, I'm sure he does. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to follow me. Maybe I'll send him the podcast. There's also the assumption uh, that all people in the sex industry were forced into it. Not that that doesn't happen. I think, yeah, sex trafficking and sex work are two very different things. I personally was not forced into it. Um, I know Shannon, uh, 
you know, Shannon was forced into it. Do you want to tell us who forced you into the sex trade, Shannon? (laughs) The Canadian Revenue Agency essentially forced me into the sex trade and also uh, the lack of, uh, you know, support for families um, by our Canadian government basically forced me into the sex trade. So, you know, if I wanted my children to grow up and be contributing members of society, there was, uh, you know, I, I, I always joke that I was uh, forced into the sex trade, essentially at the end of the day by the Canadian government. Assumption that's been beat, beat like a dead horse on Twitter recently is the assumption that escorts are unworthy of love and cannot have a relationship outside of work. And uh, I'm here to tell you that I think that's completely false because at the end of the day, this is work and anybody is entitled to a relationship or love outside of their work. You know, I find it very interesting when men think that I'm going to quit my job if I get into a relationship because they're probably not going to quit their job if they get into a relationship. They damn well better. Well, no they they got to pay the bills. Like if, I, if I'm quitting, <laughs> they, who's paying my bills? Uh, not them. So, yeah, I think it's uh, very strange. I'm lucky because there have been different ladies that I've met in the industry who are in really what it seems like or what I perceive to be really fantastic relationships with really, really lovely men. And I haven't seen that that often outside of the sex trade. Everyone, you know, whether they're in the sex trade or not in the sex trade, are worthy of love. And, you know, I even have like, um, I guess, you know, I'm in Alberta, so I'll say hippy dippy uh, healer friends that say we are love, you know. So (laughs) everyone is love, right? Is what they say. Having a relationship outside of work, you know, I, a lot of the time I, I haven't, had the time to cultivate relationships outside of work because I've just, you know, my priority has been getting my kids raised half decently properly and paying my bills, et cetera, and working on myself and my home. I have, you know, I ha- I'm lucky. I have a lot of really rich friendships, um, both in the sex trade and outside of the sex trade that's sort of filled that void. And I, you know, have nightmares about having awkward conversations with people about my experience in the sex trade or that if I'm still in the sex trade at that time and um, trying to, you know, just, you know, just trying to, to manage the disappointment when they look at you like a deer in the headlights and, you know, make all these assumptions that we've been talking about and then me just losing interest in that individual. So I've just basically avoided intimate relationships for a really long time outside of the sex trade. A very wise woman, a.k.a. my mother, once told me, to the right person, it won't matter. And and actually, a very wise woman told me that once to the right person, this this will not matter. And I think that's true. I think I see. Yeah, a lot of women or uh, other sex workers in very happy relationships and they're honest about what they do. You know, I was in a relationship for a number of years and I was you know, pretty open about that with people because I don't subscribe to the, you know, the misconception that hookers can't have relationships. And I was tired of that stereotype. You know, because half half of my clients are married. So what's what's the problem if they're talking about their wife and they ask me if I'm dating someone? Well, sure, I'll tell them. You know, one of the things that Ashlyn and I talked about a little bit before we started um, this this podcast today um, was uh, about uh, missing people. And, you know, it ties into our lives are completely out of control, that we're addicted. We're addicted to um, a substance our lives are out of control and that we're being um, trafficked and pimped and beaten. And I did want to touch on that because that does go on. There's a reason why there is a a spotlight on human trafficking. And um, in Edmonton, uh, there was a lady who was murdered um, in June 2020. And I just wanted to bring um, bring that up, that violence does go on in the sex trade. 
There are, I believe it's 21 women, 21 um, unsolved murders in the Edmonton area too, as well. And I think a lot of those had ties to the sex trade. The The lady that was uh, murdered in Edmonton in June 2020, her name was Lisa Arsenault. And they did, thank goodness, the police did locate and arrest the fellow that they believe is responsible for that murder. And he's from um, the Camrose area. And uh, coincidentally, there were there have been many um, bodies found in that area. So anyhow, hopefully it, it hopefully with that arrest, they can they can close some of those unsolved murders. But it you know, it does go on. And that is one of the reasons why uh, ladies do screen is because there there are there is violence in this community, you know, as there's violence in 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 other communities in our in our society today. But this one is um, and it doesn't unfortunately, it doesn't get as much attention as I think that it needs. Um, I think there can be more uh, done to highlight some of these murders and, you know, we can have more conversation about it. Thanks for touching on that, Shannon. I think that's a very important topic that, yeah, needs more recognition. So now would you like to talk about our clients? Oh, yes. We love our clients. So some, yeah, I think we all, well, I'll speak for myself. I definitely had an idea of what someone paying for sex looks like. And I've heard an interesting statistic, actually, not too long ago, that one in 10 men pay for sex. So that's uh, more than you probably thought it was. People think clients are degenerates, low lives, you know, creepy, abusive, ugly, fat, you know, anything under the sun, right? My experience has been I've seen every kind of client you could ever imagine, any race, size, age, uh, good looking, maybe not good looking, has all their teeth, doesn't have all their teeth, you know, like there's any shape and size that comes to see escorts. Yeah, I can totally echo that. Any age, any economic background, any size, shape, color, race, religion, education, whatever, you know, everybody, gender. gender. At the end of the day, like I've said, you know, I'll say, I'll continue to say is that at the end of the day, it's not always about hardcore porn action. It's about, it's about connecting with another human being. And that, that's something that's missing, you know, I think from our society or authentic, you know, authentic communication, right. And direct mirroring of someone's behavior. And that's really, really missing. And I think that that's that is really sad at the end of the day. And I think the sex trade does provide that service is connection with another human being. My clients, like I said, they're from all walks of life. And, um, you know, it's human first, at least with me, it's human first most of the time. But that also involves a shower. Okay, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I'm joking there. And they're not always all looking for sex or deranged perverts or uh, objectifying me as a woman, you know, or that they're desperately trying to uh, pay to get laid or anything like that. You know, they, they come to you for a whole pile of different reasons. And uh, not all of them are sleazy, sneaky married men, right? And uh, some are sleazy. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. uh, some are creepy. Some are perverts. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that I haven't met those kinds of guys, too. But I'm also at a point in my career now where I have a lot of choice in who I see. And if I meet somebody and I don't like them and I do think that, you know, they're one of those things, I have the choice to say no and not see them again in the future. And so I know not all people in the industry have that have that luxury of saying no to clients. But yeah, I'm very fortunate now that I've been doing this so long that I 
can kind of pick and choose who I see. And I I think that the the kind of vibe that I give off online and on my website attracts the kind of clientele that I mm-hmm. that I want in my life and that I wanna, you know, keep around. And I think, yeah, I think if you see a lot of girls, they have a lot of, you know, a lot of shitty clients, they hate their clients, you know, they can't find any that they like. And, you know, I would just ask, you know, what what kind of presence are you putting out there? You know, how are you attracting your clients? Because there are so many wonderful guys out there willing to pay for your time. Like, it's just a matter of attracting the right kind of guy. One that I want to talk about is that that these guys have to pay to get laid. No. You know, I, I think that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, I think it's really funny when I match with my clients on Tinder <laughs> because these guys, they can get laid for free, but it's just easier to pay a sex worker sometimes, you know, and there's no shame. Like it's, you know what you're getting. It's a transaction. You know, you know, you're probably going to have a good time. And then I'm not going to text them after. I'm not going to bother them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Shannon really likes someone, I think sometimes she texts her clients. Yeah, but, incessantly. No. But uh, only if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these guys, that can't be further from the truth. Even if, you know, it's a lot of work to go pick up somebody from a bar and, you know, times are tough. We're in COVID right now. How else are you going to get laid? You know, it's it's just, I think for some men, it's, yeah, it's easier and they could find sex for free. But yeah. This is just simpler. And now I'm rambling. (laughs) Oh, this is a this is a big one that we should be ashamed that we're seeing married men. You know, it's none of my business if someone's married or not. If they choose to tell me that's on them. Um, I certainly am not actively seeking out married men. If I if someone does tell me about, you know, the fact that they're married, I'm absolutely not going to use that information to blackmail them or to break up their marriage. I certainly don't have time, okay? I have too many cocks to suck to worry about someone else's marriage. Yeah, Shannon has, Shannon likes to talk about this. <laughs> oh, the married man thing? Well, I'll, yeah, I'll talk about it. Um, often, like, if somebody wants to tell me if they're married or not, then that's totally up to them. And, you know, I've, I've been in uh, intimate monogamous relationships and it's most isolated, lonely and depressed I've ever been in my life for the most part. And that's not really commenting on my life now, but anyhow, in pre- previously, that's what it was like. And so, you know, I, I do have people who are married that come to me. And is that any of my business? No, it's not. And I can assure you, I'm not trying to steal your husband from you or anything like that. I mean, I'm not out hunting them. I do know, certainly, if I was in a social setting in a bar or, you know, another work environment or something, and a fellow uh, hit on me who I knew was married, there'd be no way there'd be no hope in hell for him I would not fool around with a married man man unless there was a you know a financial exchange of some sort I wouldn't do that outside of this and people come to sex workers for a whole wide variety of different reasons right and uh, I don't think marriages are easy I think there's a lot of pressure on men tremendous amount of pressure on men out in the world and then having to come home to somebody that you're not happy with or the relationship just isn't working um, you know, is just another added horrible pressure. Coming to see a sex trade worker sometimes is just being understood a little bit and getting away from that sort of pressure, I think. Well, thanks, Shannon, for speaking about that. Um, is there is there anything else that you want to touch on in this episode? Because I think we've we've come to the end of everything that I've compiled. <laughs> no, I wanted to say again, congratulations on your podcast. I hope I didn't embarrass you too much as your mother. Can, I have a website. It's uh, shannonsweet.com. You may not want to see me after this podcast and some of my comments about different things. Maybe it was a little bit too much information about who I am, (laughs) where I come from and what I subscribe to. 
Um, and I'm also on Twitter too. And Ashlyn and I talk on on there quite a bit. So you can, uh, and we make fun of one another and of uh, other sex trade workers and some of our clients sometimes, if they're lucky. Yeah, we love to make fun of everybody on Twitter. And all of Shannon's information will be in the description too, so you can find her. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Adore Ashlyn or at No Life Skill. I also have a website and that's AdoreAshlyn.com. You can also subscribe to my free OnlyFans, which is MoreAshlyn.com. And you can stream this podcast from www.nolifeskills.com and it's streaming anywhere you listen to podcasts. And just a reminder that I upload early on Mondays to my OnlyFans and then it will be uploaded Wednesday everywhere else for free to listen. So thank you so much and see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Life Skills. Follow Ashlyn on social media at No Life Skill or at Adore Ashlyn. Be sure to like, comment, and hit that subscribe button. We'll see you on the next show.